Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Hello, welcome to our morning Bible study with the day of prayer. Promise, can you pray for us? Yes. <clears throat> Lord, I just welcome you into our meeting and allow you to work in and through us and stop there from being a kind of roadblock inside of our Bible studies. In the name of Jesus, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, amen. All right. So today we are continuing our study in Colossians. We're in chapter 3, and we're going to begin in verse 18, which discusses the Christian home and conduct within a Christian home. So I'm excited to cover this with you and uh, also see what insight the Holy Spirit's given you. But anyway, could we get a volunteer to read from verse 18 to the end of the chapter, please? I will. All right. Thank you, Layla. And it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair. Just, just to the end of the chapter, end of chapter three. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, finish the verse since you <laughs> we already started it. Sorry. Finish that verse. That's okay. Masters, give your bond servants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Sorry, okay. I mean no, it's it, all right. It, it is the same. It does topic. tie together. It, it continues the thought, but mm-hmm. for uh, as we're being led, we're going to stop at the end of the chapter. All right? Okay. But anyway, again. Talk about the leading of the Holy Spirit. So I am excited and anticipate, or waiting with excitement and anticipation on what the Holy Spirit has revealed to each of you about the section of Scripture. And as it pertains to us, applies to our lives. I have a question. Okay. By all means. What does it mean when Paul said, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them? Is he talking about, like, being nasty to them? Like, being mean to them? Yes, like nasty grams. (laughs) (laughs) I think all the above would be included in there. Mm -hmm. Um, Mental attitude um, and disposition, like uh, how they speak to them. And also how they physically treat them. Exactly. How we conduct ourselves. At, at points in time in history, wives were seen as property. And in various, throughout various countries and places in the world, that was the thought process. They're your property versus you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And versus um, 
while the the husband does maintain a position with the Lord, they're mm-hmm. equal. They are to walk side by side, right. and that's yeah. not how wives have been looked at. So in this scripture, you know, through the Apostle Paul, God is putting things back like this is how I see it. They're not under your feet. They're not things. They're not. Um, they're a helpmate suitable for their purpose, right? This is how the Lord designed it from the beginning, right? We can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and you saw that, yes, he created woman, later to be named Eve, right? Adam yes. renamed her as Eve. But it was a helpmate suitable for their purpose. They were to walk together, not lording over the other one, mm-hmm. but walking together side by side. Also, let's look at how Jesus sent out the disciples, and it's not, it's not husband and wife. How do you send them out? In pairs. In pairs of two. Right? Why? Because then there is walking together, there is teamwork, there is encouragement, equipping, admonishment, right? There's all those things. So also accountability is included within that structure as opposed to one by themselves, right? Yes. It's also scripture. Hey, if, if someone's cold at night and they're by themselves, how can they warm up? But two can huddle together. Two is better than one. Exactly. And a threefold cord is not easily broken, mm-hmm. but Jesus would be the, the Lord is the Absolutely. Yes. The one that, that binds it all together. Mm-hmm. But then you can also look at the... Not a husband and, three wi- and two wives. <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> That's not the threefold cord. Right. But you see that in Paul's in- instruction to Timothy and Titus especially, right? Hey, uh, these are qualifications for elders, right? Husband of one wife, mm-hmm. right? All these other things. Um, there's, there's a list of them. That's why I'm saying all these other things. Uh, and that's for elders, right? But um, Paul, this is not the first time Paul has written about this. He also wrote about this exact topic, uh, how a uh, husband's treatment of wives, but the, the Christian home and family and what it's supposed to look like. He writes about this in Ephesians as well, and it, it goes into both chapters 5 and 6. But uh, especially about husbands, it begins in uh, Ephesians 5.25. He says, Husbands... Love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife Loves himself. And he continues, don't ever hate his own flesh, but nourishes it, cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. We're all members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And then again, we we talked about going all the way back to the garden, right? And this is the prophetic word that Adam gave. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, yes, Paul also writes, this is a great mystery. I'm speaking concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's twofold, right? It's, it's not just there is, I'll say, give and take. But mm-hmm. we are to love God and love his people. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the person that the Lord chose for you, hopefully, right? That we didn't choose our spouse ourselves because not that the Lord can't or won't bless that. Hey, if you look at since the beginning, the Lord always chose the spouse. He chose woman later, again, Eve. Had the same thing with Abraham, 
did the same thing with Abraham's son, Isaac. Let the Lord choose it. Choose their spouse. Mm -hmm. And we saw the fruit of that. It's always fruitful. Now, again, I'm not saying if the Lord didn't choose your spouse to go get divorced. That's not what I'm saying at all, right? No, no. Nope. The scripture clearly addresses that. This is the person you are bonded with, yoked with, right? Exactly. And as you pointed out, honey, scripture clearly addresses that. We're to live and be the example and, and encourage them, right? They are suitable for their the wives, that is, are suitable for their purpose, which is to come alongside us and help, right? Mm-hmm. And when you see, when the Lord's involved in the marriage and in the home, you also see, I'll say the fruit of that, our wives resemble that of a Proverbs 31 woman, where it talks about the wife and her role and all those, those aspects. You see that. So a husband's job and role is, and I don't mean admonishment, is to pick out every flaw and everything, right? But to encourage each other, walk together in Christ, right? There's a strengthening iron, sharpening iron, building each other, maturing each of you, maturing and building each other up in the Lord and in the things of the Lord. that make sense? Yes. And also that section in, that we read in Ephesians is also covered in Titus 2, 2 and 6, and 1 Peter 3, 7, just mm-hmm. for additional scriptural references that you can look up in your, your own time okay. as you study this out. All right. So th- did that answer your question, or do you have another question, Layla? No, that answered my question. Okay. okay. Anyone else? Have anything that the Holy Spirit ministered to them and they want to share? I promise. Let's hear it, sir. In verse 21 where it says... Verse 21 of what? Of Colossians chapter 3? Yes, Colossians chapter 3. Okay. Verse 21 where it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children, uh, lest they become discouraged. Okay. Okay. So the Lord showing that it doesn't necessarily mean like you have to give them... Everything that they want or that you can't discipline them, Mm -hmm. it just means that not to take them for granted, like Mm -hmm. how some parents use their children as slaves. (laughs) (laughs) I thought my mom was a slave driver when I was growing up, no. I'm just I'm joking, but I'm not. I did as a kid. Like slave driver. But in reality, she was not a slave driver. She was very reasonable in her request. Right. But that also comes from at that age level and maturity level that we were at, right? We didn't understand the full picture. And what mm-hmm. the the lessons and what the, the work that our parents were having us do was actually instilling and accomplishing in us. Mm-hmm. It's not till later you come. I mean, hopefully you come <laughs> earlier, right? But sometimes for some of us is a little later, right? And then we were like, we recognize or understand what they were accomplishing. Mm-hmm. And I can't even say attempting to accomplish, but what was being accomplished on the inside of us through the instruction and, and work mm-hmm. and you know, all those things. It's constant learning. Going yes. On. What else did the Holy Spirit minister you about that, sir? And that's not just because, let's say, if I went to the store and I want a new action figure and because mommy didn't buy it or dad didn't buy it, that doesn't mean 
that you're not. Wait. It means it's. Doesn't mean they don't love you. It doesn't mean that you're provoking me. Yes, and uh, we are not here to to <laughs> suit your fancy. Parents, no. that's not what our job is. Um, and in the aspect of love, there is love contains the love of God. I'll put it that way. Contains all that we need. So when we walk in the love of with the love of God towards other people, including our children, they're provided everything that they need that's good for their life. Um, Manipulation is not love. So the attitude and perspective that goes, give me everything I want, or it means you don't love me, that's manipulative. That's a twisting of um, what's right. So love cannot be a part of that. So God is asking, although just like we kind of talked about how at times wives were seen as property, Likewise, children were seen as property. And um, some people had the mindset that they can treat them however they wanted to. And there was nothing anyone could, should, or do to, to say anything differently um, or challenge them on it because the children were their property. And that's not how God sees children. God says that they are an inheritance from him. And which means, no, we don't worship you, children, and if you dictated everything we did, that would be us making you our God. If I get up in the morning for my children, if I go to bed at night for my children, if I make my decisions based on what my children want versus I get up in the morning because of my God. I go to bed at night because my God. I do the things that I do and make the decisions that I make because it is pleasing to my God. Then we place the children in, the, in a role that they are not suited for and no one is but God. We place them in his role, and they become an idol. So he's not saying that what you were describing, if I don't get what I want, you don't love me. You know, like, and that's not what you said exactly, but that's the opposite side of what you said. Just because you don't get what you want doesn't mean that you're not loved. That's right, because you're not supposed to be in control of me or even your siblings. You're supposed to be in control of you, right? Yes. And... God wants us to walk in love towards one another, but he also doesn't want parents to take advantage and mistreat the children and be cruel to them. So if I came and I spoke harshly to you all the time and nothing that you ever did was adequate, but instead I only find find fault with you or I um, talk harshly or unloving to you all the time and even even in correction, it may be, um, strong language, as in not cussing or anything, but I'm firm in what I'm telling you, and I'm no, and you're going to do what I said. But it doesn't mean that there's cruelty involved. Does that make sense? Yes. yes. We have to look at it. And, right. There's two words that really stand out in mm-hmm. that in verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children. Right. So provoking, and then the reasoning is lest they become discouraged. Right. Again, we're going to be, I'll say, going back and forth between Colossians and Ephesians because Paul covers this in both of these letters, epistles. And it's Ephesians 6, chapter 6, verse 4. And he says, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, 
but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. The whole point is to not make it difficult for them to follow the Lord. Right? That's yes. what we should be raising and teaching and, and training our children in. What did, what did the Lord say to Abraham when he was going to destroy this Sodom with Lot lived in? So He said, should I not tell Abraham what I'm about to do? And then why? He said, he's going to teach his children about me. That's what this whole thing is about. Right, and there's a scripture, of course, raise up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. And in there, yes, there is discipline, right? Because that is an aspect of love, right? It encompasses. It's not all there is, but Mm -hmm. there is that aspect, right? Mm -hmm. But even in that, it's about correction, reproof, not punishment, right? Punishment you could argue, comes from a a principle of revenge, right, at the core. You did this, I didn't like it, so now I'm getting back at you. But discipline, reproof, correction, is the aspect of, I'll say, of love and of concern, and there is a guiding back to truth, which is the Lord, his his word, his ways, and who he is, the characteristics the his nature, his character, his attributes. Does that make sense? And that's what we were to raise children in. So they have the an understanding of who is not about making it difficult for them to serve the Lord, but guiding them as we're being guided by the Holy Spirit and what's needed to minister their needs in order to bring them children, you, our children in this case, right for right now, right? into a right and true relationship with the Lord. That's what this whole thing is about. That's what the Lord has desired from the beginning. A relationship with each and every one of us individually, not through anyone. You can't have a relationship with the Lord through me. I can't have a relationship with the Lord through you. I can see him move and work in and through you, but he wants to be able to talk to me and have that relationship with me directly. And that is what we're to be teaching our children, training them, admonishing them, right, who the Lord is and how we should be treating him and, and revering him because of who he is. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Any other questions? Any questions about that? No. All right. What else has the Holy Spirit ministered to you about this section? And also in verse 20 where it says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. The Lord was showing this verse that it's not that the children have a similar covenant to their mother and father. Not like the children are pushing their mother and father, but like we were talking about earlier, manipulating the parents, mm-hmm. that this is what this is talking about, and not the flip side to what I was talking about is if you say no, I start screaming and stopping in the store and start flipping over 
<laughs> that would be dangerous for you, my friend. Um, that's right. That's right. You see that the, the structure that God is putting in place and that everyone has a place, although, guess what? When, when we leave this earth and we transition into glory, there's no other authority but God. Right? Yes. Um, and meaning, when we go to heaven, you won't be going, excuse me, mommy, can I? Nope. I, I will. You'll probably remember that I was your mother in the earth, but I will no longer have that authority over you. And likewise, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You are a joint heir with Jesus just as much as I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Right? Just like I'm a joint yes. heir just as much as dad is a joint heir. There's no lower value that God has placed on us. And at the same time, within the family structure, he's asked us each to take a role and a place so that there's order in our family, so that there's safety and safekeeping in our family, and so that we can function as a whole and individually in doing the things of God. So when everyone takes their place and they're able to understand it and walk in it, then the glory of God can manifest. But if there's confusion, we know that there's every evil work. Right? So if the parents yes. think they're supposed to be treated like the children and the children think they're supposed to be the parents, there's confusion in that household. If the wife is dominating her husband and bonking him upside the head and, you know, he can't even hear what God has to say on his own, but she's trying to dominate him and um, oppress him, there's confusion in that household. And then this, the enemy has the opportunity to run rugshot. But when the husband and wife, and, and likewise, if the husband is dominating and browbeating his wife, there's confusion in that home. And not and only that, enemy. but it's planting seeds for every other thing. Oh, I'll say it in this way. For the enemy to have a foothold and plant other seeds, in turn develop roots, and create um, separation, destruction, contentment, and every other evil and wicked thing. To steal, exactly. kill, and destroy. Steal the plan, the word of God, and the plan, and the destiny. Kill it, right? And then destroy the outcome. That Anytime we get outside of the order that God has set for us, that's an open door. Because ultimately it's disobedience. If we cook it down to its low, lowest form and most basic element, it's disobedience. That's why it's important that even in these things, he starts with saying, wives, submit to your own husbands as it's fitting in the Lord. And even in Ephesians, <laughs> when, he, when he addresses them in chapter 5, he starts by talking to the wife. Ladies, we are a blessing from God, and he's placed dynamic things on the inside of us. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. However, however, those things need to be submitted to the Lord. In all things, we should all. God has placed dynamic things on the inside of all of us. Well, can we also explain the why? The why? The why. Do you, you want to go ahead and tell the why? Well, I'll give you the paraphrased version. You can expound upon it. Does that work? Okay. So, the husband and the wife are the leadership for the home. Mm-hmm. They set the, I mean, the Lord sets the standard and the foundation, right? But it is the husband and wife's role to enforce it. Mm-hmm. So, if you were to attack, right, if the enemy was going to try to attack, are they going to go after the, I'll say the head of the house? Now we know the head of the house is Christ, but the Lord has given the husband's authority, right, over the house. Or are they going to go after the person that's just under that? Also a, a joint heir, a co-heir, 
co-laborer, right? But is it easier to go after the, the ruler or the person who, set, I'll say, second in charge, if you will? Mm-hmm. That has and, and create discontent and strife with their role, position, place, and make them unsatisfied? Or because of their own lusts, allow them to become unsatisfied? And in, in turn, sowing seeds of strife and doubt? Which is easier? The second option. Have you, have you not seen that in your own lives? All right, if we give chores or assignments or something, right, and we say, all right, this person's leading. How, how does that sit with everybody else? <laughs> okay, right. So it's, it's not the person leading, it's everybody else that has to rein it in and you know come into alignment with their position and their place and support the leader, right? Yes. To make also make their job easier. You're working together as a team, as a unit, as a one body, one man, right? Yes. Yes. In one mind and with one accord. And you see this all the way in the garden. All the way back to the garden. You can trace it all the way back. You didn't go out, the the Satan, the the serpent, didn't come after Adam. Not directly. Not directly, Mm -hmm. but through his spouse, Eve. And Jesus addresses that when Absolutely. they were talking about that he uh, accusing him of casting out demons by Beelzebub. And he said, mm, no, <laughs> that, that's Kamisha's version. But he told them, he explained to them, a house divided against itself shall not stand. It cannot stand. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So when God placed them together, what was the first thing that was... An attempt at dividing, right? When he asked the woman, did he really say that? Divide them from the word of God, right? Make them question God, then divide them from each other, but then there's the desire to stay together, so now you're going to stay together in sin, right? Or the woman allowing that to come in after she ate it, I think there might have been some recovery, even though she was supposed to call for the Lord, right, and stand on what God said. But, um, so, even in that, when the house is outside of the arrangement of it, the structure is outside of what God created, there's the opportunity for division. There's the opportunity for confusion and every evil work. So, looking back at um, Genesis, go ahead and turn there for a moment. Just look at chapter two for a second. And let's just take a quick stop at verse eight. We're just going to kind of quick hop through this um, really quick. Verse eight says, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And then verse 15 says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Mm -hmm. And if you 
you look down at your notes, it says to cultivate, but also when you, if you study it out, it means to protect. Um, so to guard called? and govern. Mm-hmm. Being guided by the Holy Spirit. That's right. To, to tend to the things that he says, to cultivate what he said. Well, he gave them his word. He gave them an instruction um, to be fruitful and multiply, to have dominion and to subdue, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, let me see. I'm just... That's verse... 26 of chapter 1 says, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Right? So when he says to tend and keep the garden, he says he means and he's telling them to enforce what he just said. Right? Yes. And we know that he made them male and female. He created them. All right. So coming back to looking at this, they were... There was one body that was created, and when God was looking, he said in verse 18 of chapter 2, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them, and whatever called them, each living creature, I'm sorry, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast in the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were, I mean, sorry, and and were not ashamed. So, in this, when God talks about a helper comparable, he means, he looked at the monkeys, he looked at the scorpions or the snakes, he looked at the birds, and none of those things were equipped to enforce the blessing to enforce what God had already told them to do. So he made a woman. Now, this is something the Lord had to minister to me about because I, when I grew up, I always felt like I'm not as good as a man because men get everything and women are just kind of kicked to the side and have to scrap for things or take on a homosexual persona to feel like they have validity or value in the world. And then God, of course that's not right. And also there were ideas and all from the enemy, of course, that, Somehow we weren't as important to God or as loved by God because we're women, we're something lesser. But that's not what God says here. He says there was no help comparable to him. The monkeys had other monkeys. The lions had other lions. The cheetahs had other cheetahs, you know, and so on and so forth. But for him, for Adam, there was no one that could help. Now, when you look at um, the scripture, this is not clearly evident, but knowing the character and the nature of God, and this is something he ministered to me so that I could understand. Um, Eve was not some dumb, 
unexperienced, unintelligent baby. Nor did Adam teach woman, later Eve, everything she knew. That's an impossibility, or she wouldn't be comparable. That's right. So let's let's look at it and let's reason together through the scriptures. If I have to go and fight a battle or do something very important, do I take an infant with me to do that? My freshly born? No. Is that the person that I would take and go, okay, baby, you know, I look at him and go, hey, baby, we're going to go fight this war now. We're going to go fight this battle. Let me get your sword and give you your your coat of mail and put your helmet on you and put your belt on and I'm putting the armor of God on you, baby. Even if it was just tending a garden, right? Like think, you know, in someone's backyard, I don't care the size of the garden. Of course we know the garden of Eden was enormous, right? But if it was just a little, you know, four by four, six by six, whatever pot, right? right, Whatever, exactly. Right. Something to that size. Is that something you want an infant tending and, no, they have no idea what they're doing. With the expectation that they exactly. would do work and be able to pull their weight and be comparable. God meant that when he said comparable. So there's there's no way that our Messiah, who put so much effort into creating the intricacy of trees, for example, and the human body said, oh, this I'm just going to stop shy here and... Here, Adam, you teach this woman everything she needs to know, but still do what I ask you to do. No. She had time alone with God herself before she was presented to man. And I know we read scripture, we just kind of roll through it and think it, it happened, you know, one, two, three. Right. But when you when you think about the goodness of God and the character of God and the nature of God, why would he pour so much into one and then leave the other one ignorant? Or in any other aspect of creation, mm-hmm. Right. And created the the sands and and the waters right and it, all it was good right it was suitable for its purpose, but all of a sudden he's going to leave woman lacking. And That's not our God. She's just an outward shell, you know, made for someone's eyes to oogle and their their physical pleasure. No, that's not our God. That's not who he is, and that's neither is that what he's done. Um, so she got the same instruction, and you see, he said where he talks about he created male and female. He created them. So he created her as well, but you don't see the spelling out of all that happened with Eve. You see it right there in chapter one. He created them, male and female, in his own image. So, <clears throat> which means she got the same value, the same instructions, that she knew what she was supposed to do. She knew what she was supposed to fulfill, right? Which is yes. they're side by side. He took a rib, not a, a plate out of his skull. And not a, a, a bone out of his feet. He didn't. He went side by side, right? God yes. is very strategic in what he does. Mm-hmm. And neither did he create a whole separate creature. He could have. There was plenty of dirt laying around. He could have got some more dirt and got to work on that, but he didn't, right? Because he designed them to be one and have a connection that he Absolutely. knew, right? Yes. So. Um, she had her own moment with God to understand, and so she was fully equipped. How can I hold someone spiritually accountable if I have no idea what spiritual requirements are? How could she? Or uh, knowing the Lord's standard for her, never mind, right? Well, it's the standard for everybody. But right. if she doesn't know it herself, how is she then able to 
I don't even want to say, I mean, there is an aspect of teaching, but admonish and holding accountable and, encourage, right, and encouraging and all and those strengthen. other things that we're supposed to do as brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Believers as being part of the body with each other, administering your needs, what's needed, mm-hmm. building each other up, iron sharpening iron. How can that be possible? And if one is a spiritual infant, if you will, and just a body walking around for physical pleasure. So that that's something that the enemy injected. But in that, you see also when the serpent came in, when the wicked one came in, instead of standing together, right, instead of Eve coming back and going, wait, God, I'm telling on you, you're not supposed to be doing this. I'm telling because God said these things. Don't touch, don't eat this fruit. God said that to me. God, the snake's over here talking. Right, Adam likewise should have done that, but she was there to enforce the will and the glory of God. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so much about the natural things as it was the spiritual things, because we know the spiritual things are the happen first, the real meat of what's and then going on is manifested in the physical. Right. So she was supposed to go back to God and stand on what He had already said to her, which is how we're supposed to function as a family, right? And her job was to, um, like you said, not make it hard for her husband to follow the Lord. She's supposed to help in that, ultimately help in the following of God. So um, when he talks to her about make sure you submit to your own husband, it's like, no, Jim Bob down the street can't come tell you what to do and, you know, butt into your house and some other mm-hmm. husband is trying to lord over someone else's wife. Take your own, you know, he put that separation there, but also going, okay, remember, stay in your place and don't try to dominate. While we are equals in value in God's sight, just like an oldest child, there's more accountability and responsibility that falls upon the husband because of the time and the place that they were created. And this is what God said, right? I have out of four children that I have, you're all loved equally. You're all of equal value. I all, I want each one of you and I cannot do without one of you. Right. And I feel that way about all of you. Mm -hmm. However, there is an oldest, and because the oldest has had more time with me, right? Yes. She's had the op- the opportunity to know a little bit more. And she's had the opportunity to have more um, responsibility because she's physically older, right? So I don't ask the, the 12-year-old to do what the 20-year-old is doing for the most part, right? And the 20-year-old doesn't have the same um, safeties as the 12-year-old. Right. There's she's just matured into different places, but there is an accountability for her as being the oldest. And she's 20. She's an adult now, so she can, you know, go as the Lord leads her. But, you know, when you were under the age of majority. So likewise, with a husband, there's just a different accountability. And he gave husband roles and he gave wife roles. And there's some that overlap, but there's some that are different. As much as I love you, sweetheart, you can never give birth. Nope. That is very true. (laughs) Nor do I have any desire to do that. Thank God. You can participate, but you can't do it. And as much as I would love to, I can never father. Not that I think about that. I'm satisfied (laughs) with my wife, but even if I wanted to, you know what I mean? Like If I was like, that's the greatest thing in the world, I still cannot do it because... The Lord made us a distinguishable difference for a reason. That's right. So it's important that the woman understands and is able to hold accountable her husband 
as in we're going to do what God said and not be taken away. Like God doesn't want you to follow your husband and he's leading you to hell. We're going to, we're going to sacrifice our kids in the fire and worship the devil. Uh, woman, you better speak up. Please say so because you will stand before the most high God on your own and you can't go. My husband told me he'd be like, well, what did I say to you? You have my word for yourself. And we can, I'll say, launch ourselves forward a little bit there because that's really covered when he's talking about bond servants and masters or duties of servants, mm-hmm. right? Um, knowing that from the Lord you will receive reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So doing it heartily, not unto men, which you see in verse 23, but in verse 25, he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. There is no partiality. Lord, or through Paul, the Lord through Paul covers the same thing. Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 9, right? It says, Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling, which is respect and, and reverence, right? In sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And he says the same thing in masters. New masters do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Everybody gets the same or I'll say it in this way. The Lord's standard is the standard for all. There's no different standards and scales for for different people, if you will. No different weights. In different weights, exactly. Mm-hmm. Are those in leadership held to a higher standard or those that teach? Or, yes, the Lord makes that, that plain as well. But if you really look at the grand scheme of that, at some point the Lord puts us all in leadership. We're all at some point... Or, whether spiritually and or naturally, we're teaching our children. That's just the role of a teacher, right? It, to bring them up to, in the fear and admonition of the Lord, right? Um, yes, we start off as children, right? But even as a child, what's it say? And we can, uh, you know, look at Colossians, but also look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Which is what? What's the first commandment? What did the Lord say the greatest commandment was? To love the Lord your God, God with all your heart, mind, soul, mind and strength, and mm-hmm. then love your neighbor as yourself. Exactly. And if you go by the Ten Commandments, it's you'll have no other gods before me. So it's not about a physical mother and father, per se, but it's I love them because I'm loving the Lord. Mm-hmm. There's a, a reverence, a, a respect, an honor given them for their place, their position, right? And then he says, it's the first commandment with a promise, right? Because we are to love God and love his people. Why? That it may be well with you and you may live long in the earth. Mm-hmm. You can look at this throughout the entirety of Scripture. I'll just focus on the on one area, right? In Joshua chapter 21, the last three verses of that chapter, 43 through 45, right? So the Lord gave to Israel... All the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt it. Dwelt in it, excuse me. 
Verse 44, the Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers, and not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. But in verse, uh, and I'll, I'll bring that because in two, bring that up because in two points, verse 43 and verse 44, um, there are two times he mentions he gave all that he had sworn to their fathers. Amen. All right, all, and again in 44, he gave the rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. It's part of the inheritance of the Lord. There is peace, there is rest, there, right? All the, for those that are obedient and serving him, serving him, mm-hmm. that, again, have been brought up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, doing the things the Lord has, you can say, commanded us, right, to do, but just out of obedience to, to what the Lord's speaking to us, running the race he set before us. Does that make sense? Yes. yes. There's a reward for that, for those that honor the Lord. And that's demonstrated by, yes, being obedient to the Lord, but also honoring the people around us, right? Yes. Love love the Lord and love his people. We're all his people. We're all created in his image. But then, yes, there are those that have chosen not to follow the Lord. They're still the Lord's people. That's not... We're not to love them any less. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we are to love them all the more mm-hmm. and encourage them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Right? Yes. yes. So just, just a thought, a couple thoughts to, mm-hmm. to leave you with, if you will, because it's significant. And it's also the love of Christ is what draws people, men, to repentance, ultimately to the Lord. Exactly. Um, one, I just want to say one more thing before you go. Before we go, um, bond servants, you can look at that as employees today. Absolutely, um, in American culture, we'll say that um, there are some places that there actually are bond servants still, but in America, we would call them employees. Um, so, as you're going about your job and you're working in various companies and things like that, make sure that you honor God. And how you are representing that company, how you are carrying yourself within the the midst of the workforce, and not with eye service, but in sincerity of heart, doing your job in excellence, and um, doing it as unto the Lord. Amen. Because any business that the Lord is in is also a ministry. Mm -hmm. So we should remember that and move forward in that. Mm-hmm. Or whatever occupation that God what, has assigned it, you to. Whatever it is, exactly. And, it's know, unto the Lord. You may not own a company, but he's asked you to fulfill a role or a task in the earth and do exactly. it as unto the Lord. That's your ministry. It's not just about being a pastor or a preacher. And, and uh, I want to say, I'll say in a, a negative way, if you will, bear with me, but shoving Christ down people's throat and mashing mm-hmm. the word at them, right? It's about how we also carry and conduct ourselves. There is a, a saying, actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. Well, I can show you, and I can also tell you. Mm-hmm. We're to live it out as an example, just like Christ did for us. All right? Yes. yes. Can I get a volunteer to close us out in prayer, please? I will. All right, Kyla. Lord, we just thank you for today, God, and... 
We just glorify and magnify your name, God, because you are a great God and greatly to be praised. Um, we thank you for keeping our listeners and keeping us in your perfect will, God, and that you're in control of it all. And you've got everything in your hand, God. Your hand is not short, and your eyes are not dim where you can't see. You will do everything and accomplish everything in your time in God. We just ask that you keep those that are committed to you, God, and bring back and draw to you the ones have that have left or departed your, your presence, God. And we just lift them up, God, in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we love you all. We encourage you. We are praying for you. We encourage you to, to follow the Lord and do what he's telling you to do. We are praying for you, and we look forward to the next time we're able to to get together and communion with the Lord and fellowship with each other. God bless you. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, Take care and God bless you.